Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crowdworkcast. My name's Andrew Barnett. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this week, I have nothing to plug, so I can just get on to plugging this episode and this guest. And this guest this week is Daniel Muggleton. Uh, Daniel is a Sydney-based uh, comedian and room runner, and uh, as well as being a very funny comedian, he's actually had a lot of influence on the Sydney comedy scene in the last sort of four years since he's been on the scene. Um, and that the reason being is uh, Daniel and his mate uh, Sam Kettler, about four years ago, started a, uh, a comedy room called Mug and Kettle Comedy. And um, that was the first time, to my knowledge anyway, um, and it was the only uh, room at the time that uh, that allowed people to turn up on the night, sign up for the open mic and, uh, and get up that night. Um, uh, up until then, the open mic scene in Sydney was very much uh, you had to email ahead, get booked. And so it was kind of hard to make sure you got, uh, you got good stage time every week. And so they just started a room where anyone could get up and uh, that sort of became the model um, for a lot of open mic comedy uh, in Sydney since then. So it's it, it's interesting. It really did change the way open mic comedy's done. And I've talked on other episodes. I think that you know there there are um, ups and downs to that. Like I think it's its own scene in some ways, and and there is something to be said for performing in rooms where there's a proper there's more experienced comics, and they have been booked. But um, certainly overall, I think the uh, the sign up model has been has been positive for open mic comedy in Sydney. So uh, I'll credit Daniel for that. But um, that's not his only uh, trait. He is also a very funny comedian, and um, and has an album out at the moment. He has an album out. We talked a little bit about that on the episode. Um, you should be able to find a link to it in the description for this, but you can find it on iTunes. It's uh, Daniel Muggleton, Let Me Finish. So if you want to uh, get on, have a listen to that because it is, uh, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great show uh, recorded at the Sydney Comedy Store um, a little while ago. So uh, yeah, get on to that. Other than that, um, let's just crack on with the episode. This one speaks for itself. Please enjoy episode 28 with Daniel Muggleton. All right, right, new episode. G'day, buddy. What's your name? Uh, Daniel Muggleton is my name. Daniel Muggleton. Yeah. Daniel Muggleton. And what do you do, Daniel? I, I'm I'm a comedy person like you, Mr. A, Barnett. A comedy person like me. Like you. Not, so not, so not like, that successful? No, no. I mean, I was going to say you are far more successful, but... Oh, Jesus. We, that's a worry. We, we sometimes turn up in the same place. We at do. At roughly the same time. We do. You but not that I. often. I, no, because you tend to host a bit and so do I. Yeah, why, why do I host? You should host. You're quite good at it, but people just make me do it. Well, I make me do it because it's cheaper. <laughs> for running the room but yeah. like yeah you're in demand i would say in demand oh that's nice to hear i um yeah i like hosting but yeah uh, but you do i there is you're i i think you're a good host though you do you've got that easy style on stage that sort of makes everyone feel comfortable i i have heard the opposite from some audience members oh really who have, who have made feel quite uncomfortable as, yeah. is a, as is a gift that i possess sometimes but no it's um yeah, the hosting thing. I always, I always think of an awful choice to host. I've done it a lot, so I can do it. It's like one of those things where, like, I shouldn't be doing this. It's like you know, probably like you know, Steph Curry and like the basketball. Yeah, how it's just like he's a horrible choice for basketball. He's like this little skinny nerd guy, but he's done it enough that he's great. You know what I mean? He's just been. He just knows how to play basketball. But if you were going to just pick a dude, if you're like you've got the natural ability 
You'd oh, never yeah. pick him. If you were if you were picking future NBA stars in like year three, yeah, he wouldn't have been top no. of the list. But yeah, managed to uh, he he made a uh, made a lot of well, what he's got. Yeah, I mean, I'm no way comparable to him. <laughs> I was going to say that's <laughs> as a... a basketballer or a host. <laughs> I think it's important. Yeah, this, so you're the Steph Curry of comedy. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I'll never be as good as LeBron. Get, getting laughs from beyond the arc. Oh man, his his career confuses me. I don't. I like the opposite guys. I like the the really cocky sportsmen, like the ones who are just really? super talented to the point of insanity. And they're like, oh, do I even like this sport? You know, that's I like those guys. I think they're uh, hilarious. I'm taking my talents to Miami. Like yeah. they know they're, yeah, they know they're the best. They like, who they are. And, you know, like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Nick Kyrgios, like all those guys. That, Nick like, Kyrgios. You're, yeah. you're really, you're, wow. Yeah. I think you're the only Nick Kyrgios booster I've ever met. But just like, how can you not appreciate a guy who hates tennis, <laughs> but is number 12 in the world at tennis? And he's just open about it. Like, that's the whole thing he's doing. He's just honest about it. He's like, yeah, look, I'm not really that invested in this sport. Oh. And then everyone hates him. Why? Because they love tennis, but they're shit at it. Whereas, yeah. like, he hates it, but he's awesome at it. So how much would you hate that guy? Ah, oh. you know? Yeah, he's he's hateable, I he, think. But, like, he's so, like you got to appreciate this guy. He's, like, well, like, 2021. 20, and he's like a bit of a douche, granted, but like he's had no coach and he used to be this fat kid and then he just kind of got lanky and tall and he's number 12 in the world. In the world, that's the thing, number 12 in the world. I feel like there's something missing in that arc of a story that you just told. Like if you were doing the biopic. Um... Well, he's not bio. That's the thing, those guys aren't biopic worthy because it's just them crushing it. Like. <laughs> But I, being I, really dissatisfied. I'd love to see that transition in your mind, the montage that got him from fat kid to lanky. Look, I, I or think do you think would... he, that was just no effort either? He just sort of grew and went. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Look at I, I got long arms. I I had that. Like I was like, and so I was probably year ten. I was a little bit, little bit chunky and a bit short. And then I just kind of shot up. And then people were like, hey Dan, great work. And I'm like, I've done nothing. <laughs> I've done absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's all all natural gifts. Yeah, just like time occurred, and now I'm here. Wow, taller yeah. than before. So you you do you do you see yourself as the Nick Kyrgios of comedy? Absolutely, think? no. That's I've it. seen I, you tank a set. I've oh man, I've tanked many a set. Uh, it's only only the important ones do I tank. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> that actually is. There's probably oh, I know a lot of comedians. I've seen a lot of good comedians tank sets on purpose. Yeah. So that's probably is where comedy and Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, and uh, and Bernard Tomic all come together. Well, see, Bernard Tomic, I just reckon is rubbish. Like, I reckon he was never any good. No, so that's the thing. That's I. I'm pretty specific on this stuff. Yeah, like I'm not. I'm not. Wow, saying... you've got uh, arbitrary lines. Yeah, there. absolutely. Sand everywhere. Um, wow. No, like because Bernard Tomic, he was a good junior because like he was quite tall and he kind of had like a big body and he had enough power and he had like some guile to beat kids. Then you put him up against like men with like actual strength and he's like pussy ass drop shots just don't cut it anymore you know like he just doesn't have what it takes to beat a man well like well, yeah and you think curios does yeah oh man have you seen him like when he really belts one it's like one of those ones where you just other players just watch it just going like i'm never hitting a ball that hard well There's that's no way that is the thing with curios i have heard tennis players like the the i think the reason they get more frustrated with him 
um, in some ways is because he is so naturally good. Yeah, exactly. That they like it's it it is that waste of talent. Yeah, and, and they you can't will stand hear it because they'd be like, "I'd be making so much money with this talent," and he yeah. already is making heaps of money. But he's doing it with headphone deals as opposed to winning Grand Slams. <laughs> headphone you know? deals. Yeah, Beats by Dre. He's uh, sponsored, I'm pretty sure. He's Well, yeah. when Dre's not cutting through enough. Mate, look, Dre's just trying to get that tennis crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. I can't believe there's not... Uh... <laughs> There's not more crossover between the uh, the the, uh, the stands at Roland Garros and Wimbledon and uh, and yeah Dre yeah, and Dre and Compton yeah not a lot of not a lot of tennis what, pros coming out. What of is Compton. the Compton Open? Is that clay court or is that hard court? Oh, that's that's hard court. That's crashed that's cracked hard asphalt, court, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Courts don't get much harder than this. Oh man, that's um. Yeah, well, that that is an, an, a little bit of insight into uh, the way you view the world, isn't it? That you like that you like the arrogant. That's interesting. Um, and you know what I like? Is sure. There are guys that are attracted to that. Mm. That that sort of that that in their sports so they're like the arrogant guys, the uber talented guys. Yeah, yeah. But they, I find a lot of those guys are often apologists for the bad behaviour, whereas you seem to just be like, nah, he's so good. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, how could you? You can't take that away. It's kind of like Shane Warne with like the mural. No. Have you heard about the Shane Warne mural in his house? No. <laughs> okay. So Shane Warne, obviously greatest cricket bowler of all time. Greatest, bowler uh, of all greatest time. leg spinner of all time. Yeah, I'll give you Re- that. Really? You say there's someone better as a bowler? Uh, I'm just trying to think. There's probably... Yeah, it's it's hard to compare between the disciplines. I think, like, because yeah. you look at you look at, um, say, a Courtney Walsh or one sure, of those yeah, super yeah. dominant guys. There, there are guys that have dominated at certain points. Probably yeah. though. See, the thing with um, the thing with bowling too is it it relies a lot on your partnerships. Of course, because if the you know other, the other guy, for like Warns and the other end is yeah. getting belted, yeah, then exactly. Warns not really turning the screws as much. But I'd argue that he probably still would. Like, yeah, which is where, which is where, yeah. and the same argument can be made with Courtney Walsh. Like he was part Absolutely. of a an ensemble of giant uh, West Indies men who terrified yeah. people for years. But um, yeah, so okay, so yeah, shame one though. Get back. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm back, interested back in the mural. To the, to the mural, yeah. So he got this in his house. It's like just a mural on his wall of like him, and then just the greatest people in history, like, and they're all just <laughs> hanging out. Like in his backyard, like it's it's like in that, his backyard, um, but it's like a mural at the back wall. Oh, that's awesome! Like, um, what's that famous uh, the 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 diner on the boulevard of broken dreams? That post that that it was you'd see it in those shitty little you know the places that used to sell all sorts of odds and like gift shops. Gift shops. They'd sell like know. you'd get your twenty first yard glass. You'd oh, also yeah, get a yeah, neon absolutely, sign. Yeah, absolutely right. Get, yeah. So they, there was one the. It's sort of I remember seeing around for years and years, and it yeah. was it was called uh, Diner. I think it was called Diner on the Boulevard of Broken Dreams or something. Yeah. But it, there was Elvis sitting at the bar and all those like yeah, Hollywood. It was so, absolutely that. I had no idea that there was an inspiration for this. I just well, thought it was Shane Warne being crazy. Yeah. But I bet you Shane Warne's like you know going in there to buy a yard glass. Yeah, exactly. And then he's seen the fucking thing. He's going in to buy that oversized novelty twenty-first key and a and a Just three-quarter a re- yard glass, a really big condom that fits <laughs> yeah. around a stubby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Warney for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just and it's like he's got him painted it. And Michael Clark, Michael Clark gets in as well, <laughs> of course, of course, of course he gets in. Clarky, what a hero! Um, and then yeah, it's like Muhammad Ali and John Lennon and like all these people. 
And like Shane Warne, I, I just remember that Shane Warne standing next to Bruce Springsteen, like teaching him, like showing him how to bowl leg spin with a cricket ball. Well, cricket ball. that's probably the only accurate part of it. And I, I happen to know that Bruce, the boss, is a massive, massive fan of <laughs> massive fan of leg spin. I need that to be true. Oh, how good would it be? Oh, I've totally I, made for that second up. There, I, like, because I wanted the lie so bad, I was just like, yeah. yeah Surely Barno knows. You were buying into my this, fake news. Absolutely, man. That's how that's how conspiracy theories work. Yeah. In my in my opinion. Like, you know, no one wants like some guys to hijack a plane. They want the president to have pulled off the greatest shit ever. I like, I like you've you got know? the poster, uh your your poster on the wall isn't like, you know, remember Fox Mulder from uh yeah, yeah, from yeah. X Files. He had that that picture of the the uh UFO and it just said, I want to believe. Yeah. I absolutely. love your poster in your home is is that of Warney. And Springsteen just says, I want to believe. Oh, man. I'm really glad you went with that. In my head, you were going to, it's like 9 11. And it's just oh. like, I want to believe. Yeah, no. And I'm just look, waking to that every morning, being like, yeah. <laughs> you're, um, I mean, you're, you're days off traveling to the United States. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't throw you into that sort of political That's turmoil. That's true. At this New point. York as well. Damn. New oh. York. Okay. So, um, after our little uh, sports detour, you got, I'm holding a ball. I got to talk you about are. sports a little bit. No, I like it. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a massive sports uh, sports nerd. Yeah, um, I enjoy. Oh, yeah, I I I've got to say, I go for different sorts of characters. Although I am, um, and I'm starting to turn around. And I'm a bit of a Michael Clark apologist, or I have been over uh, the years. See, I don't like him because I don't. He was talented, but he wasn't that talented. And he tried, but he didn't try that hard. No, see, I think he was. I think he was. He's very talented. Yeah. Uh, I think he was inhibited by his back injury. Absolutely. Like I don't yeah. think we ever really saw the best of him. Though there was a good few years where he was the only guy making runs in that side, and he was consistent. Like yeah. he was holding that side together. But you can with say both that hands. about Shane Watson, who I don't think anyone's no, ever going to be couldn't. an apologist for. <laughs> Shane Watson. Shane Watson won the Allen Border Medal, like. Twice? Still looked like he was about to cry the whole time. Even no, when he's no, he, super happy, he always looks like he's about to cry. He, he, for me, his face was always like he'd been handed a cricket bat for the first time and didn't really understand what he was supposed to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was just kind of like holding it like, so what am I going to do again? And his partner would be like, hit the ball with it. And he's like, oh, I got it, thank you. And that would be, yeah, yeah cool. Okay. Good work, Water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, just a dumb guy. Like, everything about his head, you're like, mm. ugh. I always I thought Michael Clark that was very uh, very good cricket brain. Yeah, for sure. Same like a more. really good. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. As it turns out, they, I, got, um, they got those heads. Yeah, well, it's, and that's what my when I was the apologist, my thing wasn't <laughs> um, my thing wasn't like because people you go, oh, he's you know he's he's a weirdo, like all that sort yeah. of stuff. And I, my thing was always, and it's a bit Ricky Ponting was always a bit the same way for me. They're just dudes that know cricket and that's it. They don't really know much else outside of yeah. cricket. So I was always like, no, 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 they're just nerds. But nerds in a form you don't really necessarily straight away recognise in terms of they're just cricket nerds. Yeah, but I, I think the difference between like Ponsing and Clark is that like Clark was Personality. raised... Personality. Yeah, but like Clark was raised in a generation of like professional sportsmen. So like he wanted the professional sportsmen other side, which is like the car, the girl. Yeah. The suit, whereas Ponting was just like some dude from, from Tassie. <laughs> and so he was just like, oh, sick. I can bet more on the Greyhounds now. Yeah. Like now that I'm a professional sportsman. What? I can buy a Greyhound? Yeah. just like, Go on. 
how many form guides do I get? Yeah, <laughs> Where's one one was taken under. You know, he's the kind of guy that uh, Shane Warne takes under his arm, and Correct. it's all about the glamour and the frosted tips. The other is the uh, the guy that's um, maybe Mark War takes under his arm <laughs> and goes, "You want to go? Uh, you know, you want to go halves in a uh, in a, uh, a you know a, a racehorse for the trots." Yeah. Not even not even a galloper, like a trotter. Oh, okay. See, look, this is this is where my knowledge of gambling hits a wall. See, I'm not a gambler, but the uh, so the trots. Yeah, let's you, do it. You're familiar let's with the trots? The, is the is the trot is that with the the harness? Yes, harness okay, racing. Yeah. Okay. So, got it. Yeah. So basically, if that if those horses break into a gallop, yeah, the poor um, midget with the whip at the back, yeah, um, you know, goes all Ben Hur and. Uh, Goes like in one of those, ends up like that, like get, gets flipped out because it, it's right. It's they can it's only not sort of designed for no galloping. No, well, the if you watch a horse at full gallop, it's not really their legs go back quite a like it's not yeah, really they're a like hitting the thing and it'll yeah, be okay. Uh, they're not as steady, so they they stay in this canter. I only know that I've only ever been to the trots a couple of times, and that was back in the days of Harold Park when the Harold Park Paceway was there. Mate, Harold Park, yeah, what a place. So so Harold Park, you know where the Harold... Do you remember yeah. the Harold Park Paceway? Yeah, I remember. I grew up in that area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Harold Park Paceway um, used to have, when I lived just near it, used to have uh, last Friday of the month would be 10 for 30 night. 10 for 30? Yeah, so you'd pay 10 bucks on entry and you get 30 bucks worth of Harold Park dollars. Okay. Right. Now, no. you couldn't bet with the Harold Park dollars, which yeah. didn't bother me because I'm not a punter. You could drink. But you could drink and eat ah. with the Harold Park dollars. And more than once, you go with a big group of people. Yeah. And you hand uh, a young, you know, when I was in my, you know, sort of early mid-20s. Sure. So, you hand uh, yeah, a young lady in her early to mid-20s $30 uh, where beers are three schoon- three bucks a schooner. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, the and, dream, back in the dream. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know, I think you know you get a hamburger for like five bucks. Yeah, they're not getting through that. Yeah, sure. So you go in a big group and you pull your money. At the end of the night, we just have this line of schooners and and uh, and hamburgers and chips and all sorts of stuff. We ate and drank like kings. Yeah, and uh, with the Harold yeah, Park dollars with the Harold Park dollars, and that had that had all finished. You watch a race or two, yeah, but really wasn't the point. Yeah, and uh, and then you'd toddle off the hill up to the Toxteth. Have maybe uh, two more schooners before going to bed, and uh, you no. turn in, turn in at the end of the night, having spent you know all of you know eighteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good time. Ten for thirty. That's so funny. Or oh, thirty for ten. Thirty for ten. Yeah, and apparently now I heard a rumor that apparently because Mark War was uh, involved heavily involved at Harold Park, sure. that was one of his uh, one of the initiatives he pushed to try and get people in. Really? Yeah. Well, he got you, mate. Yeah. Junior, so I got it. Junior gotcha. I got it, mate. I've got a lot of affection for the War Brothers. They grew up in this area you're in at the moment. Ah, I I didn't know they were this far west. I thought they were. Oh, you mother! Look, man, I'm just I'm just saying. Like, I I grew up in Concord, and I thought Michael Clark was like Bankstown, wasn't he? Michael Clark's Liverpool. Michael Clark's Liverpool. Okay. So the War Brothers were uh, the War Brothers were Panania, I believe. Panania. Yes. Which is Panania. Panania is just a suburb up that way. Ah, okay. So not far, that, which is great, Pod. That's great, Pod, me pointing to you a direction. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, north. I think it's yeah. north of where we are. But where we are is a big secret, obviously. Yes. You can't just... Barno Studios, mate. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to get mobbed. Can't just be putting this on the internet, you know? Yeah, just exactly. Like, people will find it. People will track it down. Yeah. Be like, how dare you defend Michael Clark? Mate, you hear some of the episodes. I've gone on some very anti-Russia rants. Really? And, uh, Vlad... Look, Vlad the boy Putin, as you know, I call him. He loves podcasting. I oh, know. He's got his own podcast. <laughs> You're right. 
<laughs> That'd be amazing. I, he's an I was trying to character. come up with a name for it. And I had nothing. Oh. I just really, I was, I was going. I, I put the whole heart in there. I'm like nothing. I happened. To, I heard a rumor that he is a tiny human being. Well, like short, short, and like tiny head. Tiny head. Described to me by someone who saw him as in person as head the size of an orange. Like I a good just, size naval orange, but like an yeah, orange. Yeah, but no, like, wasn't he, isn't he like a badass? Like, doesn't he like wrestle yeah. bears and stuff? Yeah. Like that weird that Russian would, shit they do? That would, that's what they'd have you believe. He was, I love, I love his, um, like yeah, around oh, his, great. Around, I think it's around his birthday most years because they, they're very conscious of him getting older. Yeah. He yeah, always yeah. does some amazing feat. Like yeah. there was one year where he went diving in one of the inland lakes and found sunken treasure. You're kidding. That, well, that's the story. But I don't like, know if it no, really like, happened. But that, that gets played out as real news. Yeah, but that's fine. That's the that's the, the curtain, brother. Like, you know, you that's gotta, the curtain. That's the, the curtain. curtain's gotta, not supposed to be there anymore. No, nah, but come on, let's not be silly. Have you seen that photo of him? Sorry, this is one of the most amazing Vladimir Putin things. That photo of him as a security guard, like pre like when it, before he was a president, he was like security guard just of like some other Russian person, and he's just like standing there in street clothes, like next to the president, like Totally undercover. Yeah, he was a KGB like, agent. Yeah, because like, that's mm. Putin right there. Like that's what he really was. Oh yeah. And, like you know, all, obviously all that stuff was just like the curtain never fell. Like they just installed him. It seemed like it fell. I don't know. I I don't know that they installed him, but he certainly um, finagled his way. I don't know if that's a culturally appropriate use of finagle, <laughs> but uh, he, um, he, yeah, he, he managed to uh, to get himself certainly in an interesting position because that was like because constitutionally for a while he wasn't it was like the US you're not allowed to do more than two um, terms in a row yeah I yeah I knew that yeah and so him and Dimitriov you just used to swap. Oh, at right. the end, like Dimitrov would be president, and then, then, like obviously there'd be elections in inverted commas. Yeah, but um. But yeah, yeah, this is this is way more. Now I'm glad we didn't mention where we are. Now we're in this Absolutely. Russian stuff. I can't, I can't believe that you've gone like from Michael Clark to questioning Russian democracy. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, we jump around on this podcast. Yeah, it's like I mean we're covering some bases. I don't know who your fan is, but he is niche. Yeah, he's a niche dude. I uh, I respond to every email. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four four different guys. One guy is Michael Clark and wanted to hear more about himself. Really? Of um, course. And the other guy's uh, yeah, the other guy's very anti Russian. Very anti Russian. Yeah. That's why you just kinda of keep it going for him. Just like keep him as a fan. Yeah. And then there's a guy who wants um there's a guy who wants tips on uh, trips to New York, so we'll cover that next. Absolutely. And it might uh, be my pleasure. And then there's an open mic comedian who likes to uh, hear all about the uh the rooms. Oh so, man. Let's let's go there first. So you sure. grew up in Concord. I grew up in Concord, correct. So what what was that? So Italian, Italian. Not me, but the surrounds say. were Italian. But I can pass as Italian. Yeah. So I had a pretty cruisy time. Where'd you go to? Where'd you? Yeah, well, I was going to say I I wouldn't be surprised if you had some Italian uh, in your heritage. Absolutely none. I'm super white. I don't look it, but I'm like a hundred percent way back really? white boy. Like, yeah. That's a I'm. I think my. I haven't looked too far into my background, but as near as I can tell, my background's similar. Yeah. So, but I've, I've got the same. I can sort of pass for. Yeah. You got something it. more swarthy. It's mainly mainly like eyebrows. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say the same. That's how we've got. Mad eyebrows. Yeah. People are just like, fair enough. You can be from anywhere. As a, a mate of mine used to say I was his black Irish friend. Um, yeah, which is, black Irish is a thing. Yeah, people think that's like some weird shit you're saying. Like, no, black Irish is a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it's to do with the um, it's to do with the Spanish. 
uh, I believe, going through there. But yeah, yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm similar. So you grew up in Concord, correct? Um, where'd you go, like school, like you know, good uh, schools, public lo- schools? Local, what are we talking? Local public for primary, like the real local public, like 200 people, like tiny, nice, tiny little school. 200 um, people is not a tiny school, mate. For a whole school. So, Talking to a bloke grew up in the country. Oh, well, the my, old man, my old man was principal of a central school for a while that had 90 kids, but it went from kinder to year 11. Ooh. Yeah. I hope those kindergarten kids were protected from the elder kids. No, that was, I think they had a good, oh, they had one kid finish year 12. Most kids would leave after year 10 and go do yeah, the HSC sure. at one of the biggest schools. But um, they had one kid do the HSC, but he wasn't a kid. He was the the school gardener who decided he wanted to go back and do the HSC. That's cool. Yeah. So, How'd yeah, real. Uh, I believe he did all right. Yeah, Kept great. his job. So. Good on him, yeah. <laughs> that's the, you got to sit the HSC to keep your job. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Um, but that, that's, like, that's like small for Sydney. Well, yeah, at least that that is, that's Sydney. like a community school type. Yeah, it's so like one of those ones where like, yeah, and it was very white too, very white school, um, which I found find strange now looking back there was like we had like one asian come in in like year five in my class and it was very exciting she was from thailand she didn't really speak any english and we're like this is crazy that's like everyone else like i'm I'm talking like 18 white kids seven white italian kids plus thai girl who just kind of popped up that that's funny too because kids as Primary school kids, especially the primary school age, are yeah. so innocently fascinated by race. Yeah, like for when sure. they meet people from different places. Or I, I was up at my um my kids' school doing a like just the open classroom thing. Yeah, and I was sitting with my youngest Wait, open boy. Open classroom? What's an open? Well, they you know parents can come in and you just watch. Well, you you go in and you sit with the kids for a bit. They do it like they do activities, and you get to sit with them while they. Do whatever their activity. What did you get to do? Um, well, this one they were coloring in. What were they coloring in? They were coloring in something. But pictures of them. Oh, they had to have a picture of, like, you know, coloring a picture of with themselves of themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, my my boy was sitting next to um, sitting next to a kid whose background well, they might be Thai or something, like, yeah. something like that. But um, a very olive skinned um kid. Yeah. And uh, they were. They were trying to like the that kid goes, oh Ted, here's here's your skin pencil, <laughs> and can you pass? And then so they're part, they're talking about the different coloured pencils. They see Dad, I have to use this pencil, and he he's like, and the other kid's like, yeah, I use this one because that looks like that. And then but it was so perfectly innocent. Yeah, and you're but, just sitting there being like, whatever, bro. Uh, yeah. I don't even see pencils. Like, so that's it. No, no, no. Yeah, what? What? We're all the same, man. Yeah, that was my that was my favourite thing. I was thinking about like um, that. I, don't, I used to call it like beige, maybe yep. like beigey pink or whatever. Like when I was a kid, that was skin color. You'd be like, oh, can you just pass yes. the skin color thing? And you're just yeah, like, yeah. You're looking back, you're like, ooh, that's not great. But, <laughs> it's, but it's not like that's... See, I don't... Granted, if you're 28 mm. and still saying that and, you know, you're living in a multicultural society. Yeah, but strange. You know, that's not... That's skin color. And you start naming like, you know, oh, that's that's skin color. That's my mate so-and-so skin color color. That's, you know, that's where that's where that becomes. But with kids, like, that stuff's so innocent. And, like, I know people go, oh, like, some people freak out about that stuff. Like, you know, they're, they're picking up on the racism in society that we're teaching them. Yeah. It's like, no, they're not. They're just observing and seeing and there's no... They're just trying to color. 
Yeah, it's exactly. They're, they're trying to it. they're trying to draw a picture with themselves in it. Exactly, they need to match. It's like all they got. Yeah, they, you know the shapes are going to be no good, and their vocabulary is <laughs> not up to all the different shades of derwent pencil there are. Absolutely. Well, look, neither is derwent's vocabulary. To be honest, I, I'm pretty sure. Surely they have not upgraded. I remember <laughs> the derwents. They were fucking. They were the shit. My mum had a set of. The seventy two in the in the, in the tin. tin. Oh, yeah. oh man, that was man, serious. Business. You did grow up in a good area. Oh, look, I was very spoiled. They were they were you know some of them were nubs by the end of it, mainly um, skin color. But you know, uh... <laughs> I'd love if they named them that on the pencil, <laughs> and they just rebrand whenever they sell the pencils. Out. Yeah, depending what market they're selling in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. And then I, I went to I went to a fancy high school. Which high school? Uh, Trinity Grammar. Ooh, Ooh, it's one of those ones that ends in grammar. Yeah, absolutely. And they allow boys there because, you know, girls can't learn what we learn. Yeah, well, there is that. Or, or like we're distracted by their yeah. boobs or something. Harder, harder to learn with a boner. Yeah. Um, is it though? It really makes yeah, you I, focus yeah. <laughs> on, on anything but the boner. On, You're like, fuck, I'm listening to this equation. Yeah, exactly. Not not what being the one who has to get up and go right on the blackboard. <laughs> I'll just answer that from here. Yeah. What's, uh, what's that? Eddie Murphy. That's Eddie Murphy. That's that's one of the classics. What? Eddie Murphy's bit about that's when that's when a teacher asks you to come work out the problem on the board, and you're like, uh, "No, thank you. I'll take the zero. <laughs> <laughs> that is um. That is so. <laughs> my my high school. We wore um. Well, I don't know if they, they, they we just used to call them Stussy pants, but basically they were like Stussy with a yeah the brand the brand. And that was the brand everyone wore, but it was like just a style of pant, basically elastic waist, yeah, um, grey school pant that, and then they sort of just I think they were, I think they they sort of tapered in a bit at the at the ankle. What, what material are we talking? So we're talking like um, sweat, like a sweat material. No, no, no. But that they were like more like a trouser material, oh, yeah, like yeah, a school you, yeah. pant material. You, but yeah. they were essentially tracksuit pants made out of. Out of um, it, it was a horrible time in the <laughs> <laughs> now that I look back at it, but we loved it, yeah. they were comfortable, yeah, for sure. but they did not, yeah, they weren't, they were like tracks, they were essentially wearing tracksuit pants, so you could cause yourself some Is this real high school, dr- yeah, really, yeah. I thought, well, my, yeah, my high school, we had to like, you know, as soon as you hit your seven, you got to wear like the like the short khaki kind of short things, oh or my like god, the, like the long pants or like the business pants with the white shirt. That's the thing. I I've I never have dressed more formally than in school. See, I like, I've gone backwards. My high <laughs> school, we wore grey pants with a grey polo shirt <laughs> for year seven. That was my that was my school uniform in year seven. Grey polo shirt, grey pants. Very cruel. Yeah, that's not a good time. No, it was. Um, well, man, my primary school colours were maroon and grey, which was pretty brutal. Like wearing like a maroon jumper. And then like grey tracksuit pants, essentially, but like sweatpant tracksuit pants. And then I was like wearing Nike Airs because like my cousin was five years older and he had them. So I was like, yeah. I look like this tiny little pimp. It was very weird. What did we have? We had Doc Martens were in for a bit. Doc Martens. That's yeah. cool. That's way cooler than our shit. Yeah. They, were, um, they, were, they were comfortable too. And too, because where I, this is when I was um, out in the country, it, yeah. it used to be cold in winter. So a good pair of Doc Martens would keep you a bit warmer. Yeah, for sure. Um, then I was trying to think. Then the, I remember Doc Martens sort of gave way a bit. A couple of blokes wore the Airwalks, 
when skate shoes sort of became a thing. Yeah, I remember the fat, the fat kind yeah. of big tongue. Like they yeah, had that massive huge tongue. big tongue. Like no way more padding on top of the shoe than actually under or yeah. in the shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, if you drop something on your foot, you want to... You want a bouncy Absolutely. Sort of response. But I, yeah. I'm sure I had a pair at some point, like Etnies or whatever they were. Etnies, yeah. yeah. Etnies, Airwalk, um, a whole bunch. I didn't yeah. believe, like looking at the brands that we thought was so cool, Yeah, like seeing them now, like Stussy's, like, I don't know. I think that's making a bit of a comeback, but I think it's a and bit just, of a... Stussy's fucking cool. Like that's that's cooler like than I can wear. Without, oh, really? Without drawing attention to myself. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a that's a sick that's what I mean like you're you're saying that like in primary school I was dope or like in high school like you were yeah the, everyone the well, kid ever that was that was essentially school uniform well, was these stussy all pants. your kids now all the kids in that school would be legends like just straight up and down yeah, if they still their, dress like that today. with their grey polo shirts yeah, going with them <laughs> they got a uniform yeah stussy pants and Doc Martens that was me yeah, but it's, uh, it's good look. Yeah, it was. It was comfortable look, let me tell you. If you're going to learn, do it comfortably. And this tie for me, my friend. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's a, yeah, we had three, three different ties throughout school, maybe four. I don't remember. There's like, there's like, a, like a lower, like the lower year and the upper year, then the, the year 12. Then there was like oh, a yeah, prefect a tie, tie. like a house captain tie. Yeah, man. Wow. It's all in the tie. It's the whole thing. It's really funny because my girlfriend's little brother is going there right now. And he's like so indoctrinated. I was never, I never really bought in, you know, to being like Trinity boy. You got to be a good Trinity boy. Um, mainly because like we'd get the train and the bus home with guys from Asheville boys. And that was right after like all the Trinity sex scandal stuff. Uh. And they were just like, what's that, your dildo? And I was like, all right, I'm not buying into this school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when the dudes wearing pretty much all gray from Asheville boys are bullying. Yeah. It's like, I think it's. Yeah, there, I think there's certain schools when, you, when you're being put in all gray. Yeah. Um, I think they're preparing a certain sector of your um, sector of your school to be wearing all green at some point in their <laughs> in their later life. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, look, you're gonna you're gonna get into one one color. You're yeah, lo- you're gonna love that. Yeah, you're gonna yeah, you'll be comfortable like this <laughs> indoctrination, but in a different way. Yeah. So, um, did you, did you go to uni? Yeah, uni. Yeah. What'd you do at uni? Uh, arts and law. Law. Mm-hmm. So you're a law talking guy. I'm I'm very very intelligent and successful. <laughs> <laughs> you are you know you are the curious of uh... no, not at all. What are you talking about? I I hated it. I could not get I could not get away quick enough. But my parents convinced me to just finish. They were like, "Look, just finish." Yeah. Just you suck because it it was like two and a, two and a half maybe three years in that I was like, "Fuck this, man. This is so dumb." And then they're like, just finished. Like, what are you going to do with yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, just stick with this. Just have something. Get yourself a piece of paper. Go out there and be somebody. It amazes me how many people there are with law degrees that don't uh, do anything to do with the law. Man, they're they're useless. Like, the the new arts degree. That's what people say. Like, you just get it. They're much more expensive. They are significantly more expensive. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I got it, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's it's so, it's because I live with my mates from uni, like yeah. still, and like they're currently you know corporate lawyer, tip staff to a judge. They used to be the other way around, and like you know guys written like law textbooks. Oh wow! And I'm like I'm like good on you. Like you know this is this is great, but like at no point do I ever have any des- any desire to go back. Yeah, like, none. That's um that's insane. I um it's a 
it's an expensive way to work out you don't want to do something, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the one good thing about doing comedy is, like, there's no way you ever earn enough money to pay off your hex. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of neutral. Beating the system, haven't <laughs> you? It. You get yourself a free law degree. That's it. Just, like, you get free law degree, zero money. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So you, you though... St- started you like you're interesting how long have you been doing comedy uh like four four and a half years is that all yeah wow not long yeah four and a half years so you because you sort of um you didn't just you weren't content with just starting comedy you well, sort no, of I changed I... <laughs> I, no and this is this is a real um there is a real sort of watermark in the sydney open mic scene um thank you that was started Essentially, when you and Sam Kettler started your first comedy room. Correct. We were the first to allow anybody to sign up on the night and perform. And oh boy, are we responsible for a lot of racism and misogyny, (laughs) not to mention homophobia. (laughs) Loads of it. It's a a mad Pandora's box because there's been so much good (laughs) stuff that's come out of that too. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. It's it's funny because that... That was the I remember hearing about um hearing about when that first started. I remember hearing you know, mug this mug and kettle, mug and kettle, anyone can turn up on the night. And it's sort of <laughs> it's because it was it was something that was um it was such a different approach. Because prior to that, basically you had to be booked yeah. into an open mic spot. Yeah, I heard I heard I heard about this. But I for me it wasn't revolutionary because I I started properly I did like a couple of gigs at uni. But then, like, I started properly in New York. And in New York, that is just how it was done. Yeah. Like, so I did, like, 30 gigs over there in, like, a few weeks. Or, like, 20 or something, I forget. And it was all sign up on the night. Like, that was just how it worked. So, you just came, well, okay, this is the model I know. Well, I didn't want to start it. Kettles wanted to start it. Because he'd been trying to get gigs. I just kind of came back. Actually, it was, if I'm being honest, the Laugh Garage forced my hand. Really? Yeah, okay. Tell yeah. this story. I want okay. to hear this. Yeah. I don't know if I've told this on a podcast before. Maybe. Anyway, um, Laugh Garage forced my hand because they had this thing on Wednesdays. It was like open mic night. Yep. And they're like, call at this time to get a spot. And I was like, oh, sick. It's exactly like New York. So I, I called them on the day and it was like maybe like a minute or two minutes after the call started. I'm like, hi, just like an open mic spot for tonight. And they're like, it's booked. And I'm like, holy shit. How many, how many phone calls did you take? You're like, you're a machine. <laughs> Well, then they're like, no, it's booked, you know, in advance. And I'm like, oh, then why am I like calling at this time? Like, do you want me to just send you an email? And he's like, no, we just take the, we take the calls now. Uh, we're booked for the next three weeks. Do you want to spot or not? And I was like, sure. And then I went there and it was shit. And like, yeah, Kettles is like, do you want to do it now? And I'm like, absolutely. Fuck those guys. Don't make me call you at a certain time. And then just be like, no, it's booked for three weeks out. What are you, an idiot? And I'm like. That doesn't make any is, sense. That is, um, yeah, that's hilarious because I can picture that phone call perfectly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still don't know who it was because like, obviously I've met like the guys who were probably responsible for that, but I still don't know who I spoke to. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with anyone in particular, but, but I yeah. know when the Laugh Garage called me like six months after Mug and Kettle started being like, hey man, like... We want to do like a sign up on the night thing. How does it work? Like, would you like to do a spot? I fucking enjoyed it. It was a very nice, <laughs> very nice little moment. 
Oh, so Mug and Kettle from that, like, so you started with the one room at the record crate. Was that the first iteration? Yeah, first first iteration. Yeah, it was like, it was pretty much just that for a while. So first night, how many people are turning up? What are we Comics talking? or audience? Co- uh, comics. Comics, nine. I remember it was nine. And Seizure Kaiser headlines. Oh, wow. I remember. It was like headlined as he just went on last. Yeah. But like, you know, we gave him a little bit longer. It's like, hey, this is this guy who wears makeup. You know, he must be pretty good. Yeah, like, he's I been doing it a while. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know anything. And I was just like, yeah, cool. Um, and yeah, it was. it just went really well. We had like a bunch of random people. Uh, Clinton Haynes turned up like I, he'd done one of the ones that I did at the University of New South Wales because I, oh, like, yeah. I did like two gigs there or something um, and he turned up and then I'm trying to forget who else there was I'm trying, sorry trying to remember who else there was um, might have been that might have been it like in terms of people who kind of still kick around it's an interesting thing because it's basically started a that was that model's been replicated in quite a few rooms now yeah, there's one pretty much every night of the week, if not two. Yeah, and so, but then, and, and it's replicated this at almost a parallel scene with some of the guys because it's always interesting because you, there's guys that start in that and then you see them filter into the other rooms. Yeah, and you see the guys like the guys that run Powerbomb now. Yeah, have all like it, that's become its own. Um, they've sort of become their own. Um, generating like generating uh work as well like yeah yeah their for own sure. thing. um but then there's other guys that I, it's funny i've bumped into i've popped in to do and now it's called molotov essentially what used to be mug and kettle yeah it's the name has changed my baby's all grown up it's, uh, it's no longer mine that's um sad but it's okay i just didn't have time to run yeah. it anymore well, I remember popping in there one night just to try some new stuff and yeah. chatting to this this guy who comes up to me and I was just like, oh, yeah. And I said, you've been doing it long. He's like, oh, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been going about three years. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, where, 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 where else do you perform? And he just named the other sign-ups and I was like, oh, wow, like you just, this is its own orbit if you want to, like if, if you just want to do those sign-ups, you can do that indefinitely, but yeah. gig every night of the week. Absolutely. You, like some of those guys, man, rack up stage time more than lots of other people. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying like it's the same quality uh, <laughs> of stage time because obviously everyone's been to like a side up on the night at the end of the night and had like four very bored people, one person, two stone to leave and the MC who wants to fucking kill you yeah. by that stage. And you're like, oh, cool. Um, this this new bit's going to go great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like there are some of those guys that just like, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, why don't you do other rooms? Like I, I try and be like, there's other stuff out there. Well, that's it. Cause that's not that, the other thing too, is even though that was the, that was the first model you went with, you also yeah. have other rooms now that you run that are booked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, yeah. So it's not like, but it, it is an interesting thing. I think it's a good, um, I think that's, I think it's a good thing. The amount of oh, sign up over mics there are now. Cause I remember yeah. when I started, it was that. You just had to get, it was emails and emails and emails and emails and trying to get as many gigs as you could until people knew who you were or had an idea, like room, people that run the rooms had an idea who you were and went, okay, yeah, you can, you know, I can put you on this, like put you on this night. You were that unknown entity that they were taking a chance on in their night. Whereas the sign up, the, the audience would go along, know what it is. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that's really important to me. Like at Monk Cattle, we always did it and I think everyone's continued it. It's like, this is a sign up on the night room. Anyone can get up. 
this is not a comedy show. You know what I mean? This is not like, don't think this is going to be wall-to-wall killer. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's, I think that's good because if you start kind of saying that a room that sign up on the night is, you know, this is a comedy night, it's kind of like, it is, but it isn't. It's not, you know, people people's perceptions get warped and they never come back. Yeah, exactly. I remember the be first. Careful. I remember the first time I came and did mug and kettle. I um, I think I saw you. I think I might have bumped into you on like the on the weekend before, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to come down because I had some new stuff I wanted to do." Yeah, work through, and um, so I'm going to come down this week. And then you just sent me a message a few days later, like, "Oh, do you want to host?" Because you, I think you were sick of hosting at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I hosted for the night. And I remember getting getting there, and just you and Sam saying, "Listen." Some of these guys are going to be pretty shit. Like it's they're going to say some, <laughs> they're going to say some stuff that's pretty fucked. It's all right to call them out on it if they say something fucked. You yeah. get to call them out on it. I was like, I felt so much better after that. Like because a couple, one of the guys said some horrible shit, and I was able to just to get up afterwards and you know express yeah. my opinion at least. It's fine. That's the one thing. But I yeah, I try not to do it too much. But it's sometimes even at like proper shows. Yeah. If someone says something bad, I'll still be in the open mic mindset and I'll just go up and be like, Well look, clearly that was awful. Like let's just let's just move on. Like, you know, as an audience, just like let's just go. Mate, I was hosting a um an open mic competition. I won't I won't know. Oh, I think I know which one it would have been. Yeah. There's only one at the moment. I was hosting or, an o- one big one. I was hosting an open mic competition a <laughs> heat of that earlier in the year and yeah. it was going pretty well and all those but because like and it's no fault of the like there's no there's nothing you can do when people are signing up for an open mic competition. There's no quality control. There's no and there can't be. That's yeah, the there's whole no thing. barrier yeah. to entry. So you you sort of are um taking Taking yeah a bit on a bit of a chance on what people are going to say. Of course, and there's uh, look, you, free speech is a thing, and there are guys that will exercise it. Vladimir <laughs> loves it. We love it. Yeah, free speech, <laughs> twenty ten. Oh man, and so I was getting towards the end of the night, and I'd just been doing a bit of back announcing. Yeah, to these guys, and I was talking to the the next guy. He's real nervous. Yeah, I said, all right, I'm just going to say, you know, when he comes off, I'll say, you know, keep it going for your next act, and I'll say your name. I said, just go straight out there. You'll yeah. be fine. Okay, okay. And then I was sort of half listening. I was looking at the lane. And then I just hear um, from the stage, all I'm saying is if a bitch wants a ring, she better hit her knees. <laughs> and I just went, I just turned to the guy. I was, <laughs> I told, he was on next. And I said, forget what I just said. I'm yeah. going to have to go out there and fix this now. Yeah. And so, just go out. And you could just hear this silence in the audience. Because oh, it had been man. like it had been a really good quality night to yeah. that point. And a good, fun, friendly vibe. And that guy went on. And it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> I just, I just went out. truly are poets. And that's yeah. what I said. I said, oh, he wrote that for Valentine's Day. What a romantic. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was yeah, just, yeah. That's it the thing. You just get nightmare. used to fixing it. It's just like, yeah, I mean... That's the thing. I'm sure some people would say that I shouldn't have laughed at that just now when you told me, but I'm like, in the context no. of the story, that's funny. Like, that's <laughs> a funny, that's a hilarious thing for this guy to say because you're just like, why the fuck would you think that's funny? You're laughing because of how awkward it made everything for everyone but that guy. Yeah, and I just, I know yeah. the dude, like I've seen like 50 of that dude, just super confident, just yeah. like he's watched... You know, like Chris Rock and Jimmy Carr, and he's like, "No, this is how you do it." You just you drop the truth bombs, man. Yeah, it's just like, man, I'm just saying, I'm yeah. just saying. And he's like doing the hand gestures and head moving too much. Yep. Oh, it's great. I love it. Oh man, that's so, the best thing about open mic. You get some real honest opinions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you've never been to an open mic comedy night, um, get along. 
because yeah. it's it it is an insight into the broad uh, spectrum of perspectives. Yeah, <laughs> that oh, there man. are out there. And if you want to do comedy, just go to one open mic, and yeah, if you'll... you manage to sit through the whole thing, you'll be like, I'm definitely not going to be the worst act on. I can totally do this. Exactly, and that's what they're for. Exactly, be like, it's really not that hard. I mean, it is that hard, but. Just giving it a go isn't that hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being good's hard. <laughs> Being good's really, really hard. But, but having uh, a go, very easy. Ticking it off a bucket list, not yeah. hard at all. Uh, we used to have those guys at Mung Kettle, the bucket list. Is I fucking hated them. It was so <laughs> funny because you go out there all cocky and they bring like 10 people from their firm in like suits and shit. And they'd all just giggle and be heaps drunk. And I'm like, you guys suck. Like, ugh. They, um... Ugh. <laughs> You're a purist, man. It's a lifestyle. Hey, you gotta, you gotta study law, then quit, then do comedy. All right, <laughs> yeah. you gotta commit to the. <laughs> you need to be in debt to a university. I think it's the government. But whatever. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it is the government actually. Yeah, they covered you. The uni gets paid. Yeah, by the government. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I like you said that like it's a conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> everything's run by the government. The government are paying for university degrees. <laughs> I think I'm gonna man, become, that better never get out. No, never get out. Just like I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a conspiracy guy. I think at some point. Really? I can see it happening. My dad's such a freak. It's got to rub off eventually. What do you? What do you? What's what sort of? Are you gonna have an area of specialty or? Man, I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna be any of the big stuff. I think it's gonna be like that kind of shit you can never prove either way. Conspiracy, where it's just like, yeah, the lizard people. You know, I, the people that live uh, below. I like the localized, like super localized, like living in an apartment block and having a conspiracy about the body corporate uh that could be fun actually because then you can really yeah yeah you can get involved with everybody like and you would have no people like putting videos on youtube disproving you, you yeah know? you could just believe whatever like you know, it's fun and you, there's a lot of you hear a noise outside and peering out windows and you <laughs> like yeah you feel like every day it could be watergate the other drone the other shoe control you know it's like shit maybe they'll find my tapes yeah <laughs> i don't actually live here <laughs> i just like I the hallways i haven't uh, paid rent in months <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I like that. Because old people tend towards that anyway, like in terms of... Yeah, for sure. The older you get, like... Oh. Not enough to do, way too much time at home. Yeah. The, the radio stuck on AM. You just start hearing shit. You just can't figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah. My grandfather went through a stage when, he, when they first moved into these villas. Mm. And um, he just was like... You know, he was in the body corporate and then... But they just got, like him and... Like, they get obsessed with what the renters were doing. <laughs> and it was just like... It's like, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's trimming that bush something. So, like, you know, they're doing something that seems so so innocuous. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, then yeah. they have this argument where they go, well, then, you know, if they can do that, they, it's, like, it's always this slippery slope stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. To just, you know, I, I'm sure in their mind, if the if the behavior gets to keep going, yeah. you know, they're, they're six months away from like flaming tires and stuff yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, my, my dad's one is the, the world, the economy is going to crash. That's his number one. So the economy is going to crash. Just wait for it. Just and wait like he's, for it. He's made, he's made all these like financial decisions based off that. Oh, tell me he's buying never gold. Panned out. <laughs> is he oh, buying he just, gold? Like, silver and shit. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just in there. Like he's like selling stuff being like, yeah, these assets don't work once, you know, inflation goes through the roof. And I'm like, how's that going? And he's like, yes, yeah, it doesn't happen yet. <laughs> in like five years. It's like, it's about to happen. Man. I, that, that could be fun. Cause I feel like you could really, with a bit of skillful work, you could almost push your dad to be a prepper. 
prepper. Oh, like the, the Armageddon guy. guys. Dude, yeah. he already is. He's a hoarder. He's a pre- oh. uh, uh, like a uh, hoarder is just a prepper without a specific motivation. You know, like that's <laughs> without just, a timetable. That's it. Yeah, he's just like look. He tries to palm it off on me as well. He gave me beers that expired in like 2012, like cases of them. And I'm like, Dad, these beers are off. And he's like, No, they taste better when they're off. Like, you're a maniac <laughs> dude he's like and he's like into that like he's into wine and stuff like he's like serious about this shit that's awesome like, no the beers are off they're better when they're off and i'm like you're a fucking freak just <laughs> just stop reading the paper it's not for you all right it's not for you anymore oh i feel like he's gonna go he's gonna really blossom once he gets the nbn at home oh, man he's he's a maniac of much acclaim my friends adore him that's awesome. Like, he's that guy. He's like that dad. He rocks up in like the vest and the sweatpants and the sandals. Oh, really? With like to some like my football matches and shit, just with like a thing of lollies, being like, "Get in there, boys." To <laughs> 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 to an outsider who didn't know he was your dad, that would seem super weird, threatening, like a really tardy pedophile. Yeah, just like all these twenty-five year olds, and he's like, "Get in there, get in there." The bus never came. <laughs> this guy's a uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's great. Love him, love him to death. But Jesus is insane. Yeah, so football. What type of football are you talking? Like soccer. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. A, so sorry. Aware, on, the, on this podcast, we call it soccer. In a West soccer. In a West. In a West football slash soccer. Oh, I t- was. So you played that growing up? Not really. I played cricket growing up. Okay. Cricket forever. Um, a little bit of soccer. One season of rugby because I was at a private school. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at high school, I was pretty good at volleyball, actually. Really? Yeah, kind of, kind of high level. I could see that. Yeah, um, but we're, I'm, I'm we're talking like, court or beach? Uh, court. Yeah. Court, like the, the lamest kind. Yeah, yeah. I the, play. The, the don't worry, I play. Uh, I play hockey. Oh, I played hockey, like, like field ice hockey. Field. No. Ah, yeah. that's a sport that terrifies me. As a guy who's played most sports, that one, I'm like, Fuck, that's those people are crazy. Nah, that's it's fun. It's um, doesn't it like you get in the stick to the. Yes. And shit. Yes, like, you ah, do. You the get the ball. Hurt. If you ever get the ball, you're just my, done. My job uh, for uh, for a lot of years was um, it's on a penalty corner. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched it on the Olympics. So they get around the yeah. The actually, they push thing, out yeah. to the and then there's people on the top of the the D as it's called yeah. the top of the arc, and they get it pushed to them, trap the ball, and then they can either hit or um, they do what they call a drag flick. So you you're not allowed to, if you hit it, it's not allowed to go above the backboard, the height of the well, it's got to hit the in the goal, it's got to be below the height of the backboard. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's deemed dangerous. But what you can do, you are allowed to flick it as long as you don't take a backswing. So what happened with any uh, good sport, as will happen, is players develop techniques around the rules. So they, they develop this drag flick technique, which basically they take it from a long way back behind yeah. them and they drag the ball with it and they flick it. And these guys, like I played with a guy who played at the club I played at who was um, a former uh, Korean national hockey player. Like he, he was... Uh, which which career? Which career? Yeah. The, <laughs> the lame one that doesn't have news. Um, That's my favourite thing because they used to be mates with all these Asian dudes. And they were from Korea and people would come up to them and be like, are you North Korean or South Korean? And they'd just be like, well, I'm here. What do you yeah. think? See how I'm <laughs> not malnourished? Yeah. See how I'm not currently in North Korea? Yeah. yeah. Probably South Korea. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, but those yeah. guys, those guys. so they, they basically can flick a ball as hard as you can hit it. They're phenomenal, right. some of these insane. guys. Insane, yeah. But um, yeah, my job was to – so there'd be um, the goalie and then yeah. there'd be uh, – 
three or four defenders. But my job was basically the goalie would stand out. I'd stand next to the goalie <laughs> on the post. <laughs> then the two two other guys would run out. Yeah. To the um. So it was on the post. Yeah. Having a ball whacked at you. Having a ball whacked at me. Flicked and at you. Yeah. There was the goalie. The goalie had all the padding. Yeah. And yeah, I was there throw. with my stick. And in the last few years, though, um, they did. Uh, we started wearing face masks for that. I actually got a face like a plastic face mask that you put you on and a, and a box. Mask? No, no. Like, for most of most of the time I played, I was, it was me and my stick. Like towards the end, like guys, would be, you'd put on a cricket glove. Yeah. I, I didn't do that so much. I have got some bad knuckles because of I've, and that's just general field play. Like yeah, you get whacked in the knuckles and all sorts of stuff. But an insanely fun game. But the better standard you were, it's like anything. The better standard you were playing, the less dangerous. I feel like yeah, it, of it course. always was. I feel like control. Yeah. And like, you know what? You, yeah. That's every sport, I reckon. Yeah. That's what you'd. I reckon there's more crazy injuries, like in third grade. Yeah. Than there would be in, in any first grade game. Like, I think if the first grade game. Mind you, I did play with a guy who got hit in the. Hit in the. Um, Cop the ball to the uh, eye socket. Well, oh, just near the. Yes. Just under the eye, really. But yeah. fractured his eye socket and he couldn't lie down for six weeks. Um, Why can't you lie down? Because. So when you fracture your eye socket, apparently it's very close to the optic nerve. Yeah. And so if he laid down and had sudden movements or rolled the wrong way, they were worried that it would sever his optic nerve. So he had to basically remain seated so that the <laughs> lying down the optic nerve would, that it wouldn't get any pressure on it. Um, oh, man. So he could, he could be about 45 degrees, <laughs> which I can't imagine was a comfortable way to spend no. six weeks. He's like girlfriends there with a protractor. Just yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Insane. Should be about right. Insane. But oh, he um man. he came back and still played hockey after that. Still played hockey. Yeah. Oh man, I would give it I mean, I did my ankle real bad playing soccer one time, but that was just like not at a high level, so it was just the guy just didn't know how to tackle. It was real yeah. bad. But like that's you know, that the uh, the ball, that that ball in hockey, man. Like I I've knocked my tooth out a lot of times. I don't want anything coming more with my goddamn head. Yeah, it's um I don't know. You just, you just it was like anything. When men were men. You didn't get like I, I don't think I got hit in the head a handful of times. Yeah. I remember I um only only a couple of times needed stitches or whatever, but most of the time it was just you get yeah. hit more like you cop it like in the arm or just above the shin pad. It used to annoy the crap out of me, like, <laughs> just, like just right above the shin pad and yeah. right on that real bony part. Oh, yeah, I don't know that that's, one. Yeah, that's a yeah soccer players had uh, yeah. Oh, I was played with this. I remember playing with this um this guy who's a dairy farmer from uh, down near Wollongong, but he used to play. He used to hate wearing shin pads when he played. Yeah, and the the league basically made it a rule that you had to wear shin pads at a certain point. So he had like tiny little kids soccer shin pads that he'd put on <laughs> under. It. I was like, you are fucking insane. Dude, people like that. Like, we're, I'm playing like low division soccer. Everyone there is just like some 40 year old dude who hates his kids so he just kicks the shit out of you every weekend. <laughs> and like, people are wearing tiny shin pads and just getting started up like you're oh. bleeding. Like, my big toe is still fucked from the grand final like five years ago. Oh, really? I don't, just it's still not right. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I still can't lunge. It's, just like, it's not it's one me. of those, um, it's not one of those, like, you know, if, if you really, if you'd injured your arm, yeah. And it wasn't right for five years. You would have had an x-ray by now, but it's Absolutely. very hard to... Like, what is the tipping point with the toe? Oh, when you actually tip over, that's the yeah. tipping point. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it is. You're going to have to... At a certain point, if you are going to get it seen to, you're going to have to do it um, within the next... Well, how old are you now? 28. 28, yeah. you got about... 
I'll, I'll give you seven years seven before years you can go. To, well, if you go to the doctor after that, the doctor's just going to straight out just go, yeah, you've got gout. Um, <laughs> it's no, a lot of people are getting gout these days. I've heard a lot of uh, gout diagnoses. Really? Yeah, a couple of people just like gouting up. I'm like, really? I thought we'd be, I thought we were post gout, you know? No, no mate. It's, just, it's a sign of good living. Gout. gout. I don't know about this. No, I, 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 I don't know. Because like, isn't it a one? Isn't it associated with um, overindulgence, like drinking too much and eating rich foods? Yeah, there's that stuff, but also like I think standing a lot, just like real stand, like those kind of jobs where you just have to stand there. Okay, you know, like what we do, but except for like more than ten to fifteen minutes at yeah. a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I. It's it's just it'd be an embarrassing one to have to get diagnosed just because of the like. Yeah. I don't know when I, it's still a punchline to me. Gout. Gout. Yeah. Like, like I did a um. It's I did funny. A, it sounds funny. Yeah, it does. That's yeah. what I said. I I did a gig with um with uh, at a I did up at um Wyong Council. Their outdoor workers. Uh, okay. Their social club. So the guys Shit, that who do books the books that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a sweet gig. Actually, it was pretty fun because um, yeah. they're just they're just soul of the earth, rough as dudes. Yeah. That was one of those sure. gigs where they paid me after when they're paying me, they're giving me cash. Yeah. Because uh, it's out of social fun. Um, <laughs> and they, um, the the two dudes that have been, the guy that's counting the money out goes to his mates. Hey, just stand around me so no one sees. I don't want him getting rolled in the car park. <laughs> Like, oh, I should probably bleep the name of the council. Um, no, look, I hear in, great things about post. Gosford, <laughs> but they, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I, I remember making gout jokes. I made a couple of gout jokes up there, yeah. and uh, went over great because all these guys just mad. And then as the the prawns and um, seafood courses coming out, yeah, the guys are talking to me. The guy that. Um, the the main organizer guy he goes oh it's so funny you're talking about gout I was off sick yesterday with gout I've only just got out of bed I'm three <laughs> days late up as he's about to eat a massive pile of prawns yeah, I was like oh you think you think we know what you're going to be doing for the next few days as well yeah gout gout gotcha yeah but man yeah I don't know yeah that's I'm glad you got a sense of humor about it you know yeah in other words those people who are just like hey, everything's funny except the thing that I've got yeah you can't make fun of that you're like yeah go on that relates yeah, yeah. directly to me. Yeah. That's offensive. Yeah. Ugh, no good. So you are off to New York? Yeah. What's going on there? Um holiday, work, what? Bit of bit of both. My my girlfriend's meeting me like halfway through, but I like I just like to um yeah, get over there a bit. I don't know. Just as I, I started there, like most of my favorite comedians are American. Most of them work in New York. So just get I over just, it. Just so go. You, when you're there, where do you gig? Um, just pretty much bar shows. Like I've got a club spot this time. I've, I've tried to book a little bit further in advance, which for me is like two weeks. I'm so rubbish <laughs> with that stuff. Um, but like, yeah, I got like one club gig. I might try and see if I can sneak on at a few others. Nice. But like, unless you managed, it's like quite hard to just kind of yeah, drop in and get the better stuff. It's a much more, um, established scene, I suppose over there in terms yeah. of like, you know, management is much more normal for people of of sort of all levels, almost. Yeah, it's it's, like it's, it's, at least that's what it seems from the outside, anyway. Yeah, that's what that's what I can tell. I spoke to a couple of like the Aussie dudes have gone over there and like done stuff, and they're just like, "Yeah, look, I just had a manager who sorted it." Yeah, like, that was kind of how I got that, and I'm like, "Ah, shit, all right." But no, it's like it's been okay. Like I've been there before, so I know people. 
and they've been kind of hooking me up with different gigs and bar shows and stuff like that. And it's a good place to be bouncing around. It's a great city. Well, that's it. Yeah. And like just comedy wise, like there's just so much on. Like, yeah, there's just everything all the time. Now you um, too, you have had an album drop recently. Correct. A comedy album. Correct. Good use of drop. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Drop. Yeah. I'm trying oh. to use as much hip hop lingo as possible oh, about uh, my mad comedy yeah. joint. <laughs> mad comedy joint. There you go. Drop it. Drop a, a funny track, eh? Yeah, that's it. Um, what? Tell us about that. The album, where people can find it, all that sort of good oh, stuff. Um, it's just it's on pretty much every streaming service ever. The only way, only place you can't find it is physically. Okay. Um, those copies do not exist. I thought about organizing some, but then again, it was like three days before I needed them. <laughs> and like it just didn't really work out. I'm a very tardy person. I'm very you are, bad. You probably could. Be, you are someone who could actually really benefit from management because I feel like that'd be the sort of stuff they'd really yeah, pick up. Yeah. For you. Like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, just this stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like oh fuck, people do that for you. Um, yeah. No, it's weird because like, with rooms and stuff, I'm great, but with my like gigs and stuff, not so much. So um, how did the how did the album come about? Well, because you're I, on this is released through a like a proper label and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, big big American label, Comedy Dynamics. Shout them out. Nice. Um, yeah, they they won a Grammy in 2016 for Louis C.K.'s Live at Madison Square Garden. So you and Louis on the same? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're basically same, same label, same level. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean your your stable mate, Louis yeah. C.K. I'm about my sitcom's about to come out. Yeah, it's called Danny. <laughs> Danny, uh, real good. Um, no, it's uh, yeah. So it's because I, I got. Yeah, you were you hosted at the store the weekend before I did my solo thing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I got I got invited to do that last year, just like an hour show at the store, which was very strange because I'd never been asked to do five minutes at the store. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, hey, have, have an hour. You're like a YouTube comic without the following. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I got... I didn't know. Did you know they cancel shows there if you don't get numbers? I didn't know. Oh, really? No one told me about the cancellation thing and like the kind of quota. And I was like, shit. So like my my fans just like me buy stuff late. Like, you know, um, so I only kind of had enough people coming like the day before to be like, well, I may as well record it. Because I was talking to Heggy about it. Like Luke Heggy, very, very, yep. very funny comic. Um, and he was just like, yeah, it's really easy. Like, you know how he is? He's just like, yeah, yeah. no, it's not difficult. Just just ask someone, they'll record it for you. And I'm like, how much does it cost? And he's like, oh, not much. And I was like, well, that's all the information I need. Yeah. <laughs> I just got it sorted. And um, yeah, then I just had this recording and the show went really well. Um, I say that with surprise in my voice because I was. And yeah, and I just kind of was like, what do I do with this now? Because I just don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I never really thought that through. Um, and then, yeah, I just saw like you can get it on iTunes and Spotify through these weird things called tune aggregators, which are just kind of vague internet sites that yep. kind of help you out. And they just had some weird, like my dad little voice in my head being like, can't trust the internet, mate. Meh. Like, and I was like, <laughs> well, then I just saw this record label because there was a US comic who released his album on the label. And I went to their website and I emailed them like at the contact page, like the straight up like, Hey, this is my mixtape. I hope you like it. Uh, and then, they're like, yeah, well, like, if anyone likes it, we'll get in touch, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for sending it, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I was like, cool, never hearing from you. And then, yeah, they wrote back like a week later. And they were that like, is the sort of hustle I wish I had. Just right. that, that, I wouldn't even think to, I've got, I've recorded, show, like just got audio recorded and I yeah. never think to do anything with them other than listen back to them and go, oh, I should have 
done that joke differently then. Yeah. But you, I thought you had a thing. I thought you had a thing out. No, I got right? nothing out. Interesting. Moment. I um, should do something. I did, I did just did Sydney Comedy Festival and, um, which was an all new show and mm. it went way better than I thought it was going to. The show I was, you know, when you're like right before you're doing a new show. Yeah. Like you have that crisis of confidence yeah absolutely sort of i remember i remember that i had i had a, two gigs on the monday night before my show opened on wednesday and i got home to my girlfriend she's like how were they and i'm like i should cancel my run yeah uh i'm fucked i was <laughs> i got 25 I exactly minutes exactly that way yeah. and um yeah and it just came out way better than i thought and so at the end of like i just did the five nights yeah the comedy festival and i was like well that seems stupid just to put that away now after sort of nine months of work on yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So I, I don't know. I'm thinking of what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to take it somewhere and do something with it. But yeah. I, oh, I, do you have a recording from one of the shows? No, not this one. From my last show. Oh, yeah. Last cool, show cool, cool. I did. But it's, I mean, it's not recorded to any nice level where you, I'd actually bother doing anything with it. But it, it mm. wouldn't even occur to me. Like I never even think to like, like Heggy, record it. It's easy. Yeah, no, dude. It was straight up. Haggy's like the savior in the story. He's just like, it's really easy because I, I I didn't want to put any feelers out because like, what if I got no people? And then you kind of got like yeah. microphones and shit set up for like seven dudes, and your show's canceled. And you're like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the worst moment of my life. I remember the weekend before you were saying that you were going, oh man, I don't know, like you're worried about numbers. Yeah, I was real man. My my look, I love that people come and see me, and I've like I'm really really lucky in the support I've got and all that stuff. But God. They're brutal in terms of how late they buy. <laughs> like they just fuck with me so hard. It's insane. Like I remember for the comedy store, it's like a 300 seat venue, very yeah. intimidating when you're some piece of shit comic who like never even plays there. So like the people who usually go there have no idea who you are. Then I had like, I think two days before I made it to like 80 pre-sales and I was like, cool. With the free tickets, that's like a hundred. That's a show. Yeah. We can do that. And then, yeah, so, like, that was, like, the day before. And then, like, the night before, it was, like, up to 100. And I'm like, oh, cool, like, 120. Maybe I'll get, like, 150. That'll be nice. And then, like, on the night, it went up to 200. And I was just like, fuck you guys. Like, you could have, you could have, I could have had such a nice sleep. Yeah. Like, this night if you guys are just bored online. There is that worry, too, because yeah. you, you, when you are, you're worried about actually performing the show. Part of your brain's concentrating on that. But yeah. then you're just getting distracted by, like, What's the point of worrying about performing if no one's going to be there? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that, that's the weirdest bit. And it's like, in like yeah, with the recording stuff, I'm so glad I did it late so I never even thought about it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, like, it was just like I had like, Mar- like Marty just come out and say a couple of words beforehand. Like if I had to think about it, I'd be like, Marty, right, this is the script I want you to do. Yeah, yeah. But he literally got there like two minutes before the show started. And I'm like, oh, just can you just you like say, say my name? That'd be cool. What you say. <laughs> Marty with his like come hither voice. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's not a problem. No, it was so so strange. And yeah, I was like, gonna say Marty's probably um just exactly the sort of low key character you need to. Like he's not gonna stress out. No, no. He'll just go, Yeah, okay, whatever you need. Yeah, just he's like, and do it without just, any fuss or worry. The fact that he rocked up so late was awesome. Cause like <laughs> I just like yeah, with stuff like that, I just get in my head like I I was smoking then, I've quit now. Fucking woo. Um but no, I just all I would want to do in that situation is be alone and just like chain diaries downstairs. Yeah. And then like literally one minute before the show walk up and just walk on stage. Like that's the ideal situation like i hate that chit chat in the green room mate the most relaxed i've seen anyone before their solo show is i did um the thing there when don marrera was out yeah and he would not give dude 
Oh, that guy is so laid back. <laughs> he was, he's literally like, he, he said, they said, oh, he said, oh, Andrew, can you come down? He actually asked if I opened for him, would mind opening for him. Like, or he asked through them. They That's said, nice. they told me he asked. I don't know. But we'd been he working asked, together. He, I, I was speaking to him. He asked. Yeah, yeah. We'd been working together on the <laughs> run and we we got along great. And um, so I, I was really excited. So I was backstage, yeah. you know, so all excited. I was like, wait, where's Dom? And uh, he literally until... Um, they did doors and told people to come in. He was just sitting outside in the bar area, just chatting to a, a woman he knew, just having a chat. And then he just wanders backstage. Oh, they're about to do doors, and he was so relaxed and like, "Is there anything you want me to do? Not do?" He goes, "Oh, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do yet." So <laughs> I was like, "I wish I had that level, just that confidence and that level of experience to draw on." He yeah. just knew he was going to be fine. Well, that's it. Like you, you know, when you've been doing it 30, what, 30 40 years? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, be. yeah. At least 30. Yeah. Oh, man. You'd just be, you're fine. Yeah, like, exactly. Man, the guy. it's fine. He opened for sure. Like, once you've opened for sure, like. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's an insane level. Yeah. Can you imagine being like, hey, Cher asked for you specifically? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's like Gaffigan opened for the Pope. Have you yeah, heard that's, about a, this? that's a good open. That's like, that's a good brag. Yeah, I, I, I like to think if you over for the Pope too, as you as you finish and walk off, just yeah. lean over to the Pope and go, yeah, follow that. <laughs> I just be like, oh, who books that? Uh, yeah. God, yeah, God, God, God books God. that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. all right, mate. Um, so what's before we go? Because we are sure. at about time. Uh, yeah. Give a massive plug to the album. Um, massive. Where people can get it, what uh, what it's called. I don't think you've yeah, no, what it's oh, called man, yet. I'm, I'm the worst promo guy. I did like an album launch on Sunday and the audience yelled at me at the end. They're like, what is it called? Like, oh, really? I just didn't even <laughs> say. Um, yeah, very, very easy. Uh, Daniel Muggleton, Muggleton like Harry Potter. If you Google Daniel Muggleton album, that's the best way to get it. Like, it'll come up with all the different options and stuff. The album is called Let Me Finish, which I think you you like as a title, actually. I remember yes, we've had this conversation. You're like, I it's do. one of those good comedy titles. It's a I'm great, like, thank you. great comedy title. Thank you. Just wanted to slip that brag in there. Um, well, it's, it's one of those ones. It's perfect. It's beautifully vague enough, but still having knowing what your comedy is. Yeah. Um, it's it summarizes what you're doing without locking you into a specific thing. Yeah. It's it's a really good and it and it gets me to go. Oh, okay. There's something there. I want to go see that. That's a great title. Well, look, I'm obsessed uh, with finding good titles. I'm obsessed with finding good titles. Yeah. Oh man, titles are so hard. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it's called that. Uh, it's on like iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify. Sirius XM, Laughable or Laughly, I forget which one it is. Um, every streaming service ever. Like that's the thing, they just put it out there. You can find it. I think it's on Napster. I Googled and found it on oh, Napster. Oh, really? That's and, great. Yeah, you know, you need a big, big following Napster in yeah, 20, exactly. 2017. Man, um, you're going to make so many people's top eight on their MySpace page. Oh, uh, dude, I wish. <laughs> wish, just put me up there with Tom. Um, no, the, the funniest thing, sorry, this is my favorite thing about the album. Um, I obsessively Googled myself like the two days after it came out because I just didn't really yeah. know how to respond to an album coming out, right? Who knows? And who um, can, like, I know people like you're supposed to play it cool, but fucking, you just had an album come out on a comedy label. It's on the internet. Yeah, it's weird. You're that's exciting in the yes. Yeah, you want to see what people are saying because you're self obsessed, exactly. which is why you talk on stage while everyone else shuts up, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, there's like a there's like a stand up album chart, and it was number it peaked at number fifty eight on the world. In the oh. World. Slightly ahead of Dane Cook. Don't know if you've heard of him. 
He um, was big on MySpace. He so. was huge. Yeah, his Napster, his Napster ratings would be heaps better than yours, though. He was, yeah, he's, got was, you, he's got you on Napster, but the other services, you're killing him. Yeah, man, on Spotify, I'm lighting him up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on Kazar, he's crushing it. No, um, yeah, it's 58 in the world, and then within about... I'm going to say two to four hours, it's disappeared forever. But it was a, it was a highlight, baby. 58. You got you to love that. Not, that is, that's, that's kind of like Bernard Tomic. It's no Nick Kyrgios, but it's up there. Yeah, that's great. You're contending. Awesome. I'll, I'll actually chuck a link uh, to it in the description for this episode too. I'll find uh, one of the uh, links and people can go have a listen from there. But uh, mate, I've got to get you out of here because you've got to go rooms to run. Yeah, so, got, got gigs to MC while wearing this dope-ass tracksuit. That is it's a pretty sweet matching tracksuit. Thank you. You, you my knew you were coming. Present. To... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's, you chose the perfect outfit for Southwest Sydney, mate. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to come into the house wearing it so people would freak out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, mate. Thanks very much for doing it. Pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>